Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad to be here with you today, taking a week off when Pastor Lee preached. Uh, makes a preacher anxious to get up and to preach again, but he did a phenomenal job. Yeah. So I encourage you guys, if you weren't here last week, uh, hop on our website, radiantA2.com, and under messages, you can hear his message. It was fantastic, and I would highly encourage all of you uh, to go ahead and listen to that. Uh, and also, I'm excited because it's the first day of May. And when you live in Michigan, it's like you don't expect it to be good and, you know, October, November, December, January, February, March, or April. But when May comes around, there's hope because it's going to be sunny and it's going to be warm. So it just puts me in a good mood and I'm excited to be preaching in a warm, sunny month. Even though we're not there yet, but the hope is that it is coming. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 4. We're continuing in our series through the book of Galatians, and in it, Paul's addressing how is it that we now live uh, under the new covenant that we have with God? How is it that we relate to him now that Jesus has come? And uh, one of the things that I think is confusing for a lot of people is this relationship that we do have with God now. I meet with a lot of people, and one of the things that I encounter a lot is people share with me the frustration because they love Jesus, they want to follow him with all of their hearts, but they still feel like there's this disconnect. And one of the questions I get a lot is, you know, how is it that I... Uh, you know, get God to approve of me? How is it that I, I encounter the love of God? I just feel like God's holding something back from me. What is it that I need to do to put myself in the right with God? And that's a question that I think all of us have to continue to look at, and it's something that continues to be a part of our mind, of how is it that we relate to Jesus, and how is it that we now experience, encounter God relationally uh, as followers of Jesus? And in the book of Galatians, Paul is specifically addressing this idea um, of circumcision. And what's happened is the Gentiles have decided to follow Jesus. They recognize him as the Son of God, have put their faith and trust in him for their salvation. And they want to follow him, and they want to live a life that's pleasing to God. Uh, and then there's another group that comes in and says, hey, for you guys to really be right with God, you have to get circumcised. And so that's a, a major deterrent for a lot of grown men. And so now they're thinking, okay, what are the things that we have to do to be right? And Paul comes in and he addresses this. And he says that there's no law that you can follow that's going to make you right with God. Amen. And now you might be sitting there saying, well, I don't try to follow the law of Moses, so this doesn't apply to me. And here's the thing. That doesn't mean just the law of Moses. It means that there is no law that anybody can follow that's ever going to make you right with God. Uh, it could be, you could be a Hindu, a Buddhist, you could be following Hammurabi's code, whatever. We all have some sort of a moral code that we follow, that we've decided on for ourselves, that our culture has influenced. And so we're trying to figure out what is the way that I need to live. And if you're trying to earn righteousness with God by following a set of rules, you're never going to do it. And this is what Paul says. He says, hey guys, look, we, the Jews, we had perfect rules. If we could have followed these perfect rules, we would have been right with God, but we couldn't do it. And so if you're trying to follow a set of rules that are imperfect, then there's absolutely no chance that you have of trying to attain righteousness with God. But here's what following a law will do to you, is number one, it will cause you to be self-righteous. And you've probably met people like this, where they look at you and they say, you're not right with God because, you know, you're not following these certain things like I am. And so that causes pride inside of you to think that somehow you are more righteous or obtained a higher degree of righteousness than someone else because of the moral code that you follow. But the other thing that happens is that it can cause you to feel hopeless. Because when you look at, even when you look at the law of Moses, which is perfect, when you look at that and see how short you fall of being able to keep it, 
It can make you feel completely hopeless because you recognize that you cannot be close to God by following the law. So one of two things will happen to you if you try to attain righteousness through your own actions. One is you'll become proud, or number two, you will become hopeless. And what Paul says is that the way that we relate to God now is through relationship. And in fact, he says this, we're actually backing up to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. He says, For you are all sons of God through faith, in Christ Jesus. And what that's important for us to understand, the word sons, uh, some people translate as children in some of the newer translations, but I don't think that's a, a really good translation because culturally what's happening is when you say that this is my son, it means that this is my heir. Not all children were equal in the time that the Bible was written. Uh, the women didn't have the ability to receive an inheritance. So it's really what they're trying to convey is that you are all, all of us is talking about men and women, we have the right standing that a first son would have in their culture, meaning they are the full inheritors of everything that the Father has to give them, every single one of us. And uh, if you're having trouble with that, we men, we're called the bride of Christ, so we all have to take one for the team here and there. But it's important because being the bride of Christ, even though I'm a man, is talking about the, the things that we're able to receive now because of that. So we're sons, and we're all brides as well. Uh, and when Paul's going on to talk about this, and now he develops this idea farther of this sonship that we have uh, in relationship with God, and he says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. What Jesus has done is he left heaven, he came to earth, he died on the cross for our sins, he lived out the law perfectly, he was the only one who has ever been able to do that. And by doing that, he became the perfect sacrifice for us so that he could redeem us. And now we've been adopted into the very family of God. And it goes on to say, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, then an heir through God. We used to be slaves. It wasn't just that we didn't have a father. Uh, we were slaves. We were enslaved to sin. We were in bondage. There was nothing that we could do to escape it. Sin was our master. But through Jesus, we've been removed from the bondage of slavery, taken from that old identity, brought into the family of God, and now he calls us sons. He calls us heirs of everything that the father has. And then goes on to say, So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. We're sons. We're heirs. Think about what it is that your parents have, or maybe what it was that your parents left you. When they passed, you received something from them. And the same is true here, is that we have an eternal father, and there are things that he wants to give to us. And we've been made joint heirs with Jesus. Joint heirs with Jesus. We've been elevated to that level, taken from slavery, and put into the place of an heir of God the Father. And it's really important that you see yourself that way. That through faith in Jesus, as it said in chapter 3, now we are sons, we are heirs. Everything that God has is now passed on to us. And some people look at that and they say, you know, there's a prosperity gospel thing that goes on there. And I would say this about it. God has everything that you could ever need. He has all of the resources that you could ever need. And he's looking for people who are faithful that he can trust to pour those things out on. I believe in provision. 
everything that you need to do what God's called you to do, he is going to provide for you. And if you're selfish with what it is that God gives you, he's not going to continue to give to you because he gives to you so that he can reach other people through you. I think that's the right way that we look at what we do as inheritors. We don't inherit just so we can keep all for ourselves. We inherit so that we can bring more people into the family because that's what God is all about. And so how do we view ourselves? Do you view yourself as a slave or do you view yourself as a son? And these are the ways that you can identify that. Am I living as a slave or am I living as a son? And the first one is that a slave has a master, but the son has a father. There's a church in Mexico, I remember seeing this when I was a kid, where they come in and for a long ways away, before they get to the church, they get down on their knees. And they begin to crawl towards the church on their knees as an act of penance, as a way to try to uh, you know, show God like, hey, we're really sorry about everything that we did. We're trying to make it up to you. You're so holy, you're so worthy that I'm willing to crawl on my knees all of this way into the church because I'm not worthy. And what happens is there's these trails of blood leading from the streets to this church because you can only walk on your knees for so long before all of the skin is worn off them. And they get proud, like, look how much I love God because I, all the skin has been torn off of my knees. That's a completely wrong view. Don't do that coming here because we're not cleaning the carpet. You're just going to make a mess and we're leasing this place. It's not going to be good for anyone. But that's saying they're looking at God as this master but what God's called us to view him as is a father. Do fathers make their children walk on their knees so the blood is torn, or so the skin's torn off them as a way to show that, hey, I really do love you, or hey, I really am worthy of being in your presence? No, fathers don't make you go through hell to approach them. Our father went through hell to approach us. Yeah. And that's the heart of a father. And you need to have that same idea too. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16 says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. It says that there's a spirit that we've received. The spirit of a son has been put inside of us. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. What Paul's saying in that verse in Romans is you're going to view yourself either as a slave or a son. You're going to live out of the spirit of a slave, the identity of a slave, or you're going to live out of the spirit of a son that's been put inside of you by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. And that word means daddy. It says that what God does inside of us is it creates a spirit in us where we relate to God and cry out to him, Daddy. Yeah. You can tell a lot about a relationship by the way someone addresses you. I get telemarketers, and they call the church line, and they're like, is Reverend Brown there? I'm like, these people don't know me. <laughs> these people, there's no relationship there. There's no love there. Okay, they would not call me Reverend Brown if that were the case. My kids, you know what they call me? Daddy. I love hearing that. This morning, every morning, I say, or every night, I say goodnight to my kids on Saturday night, and I'm like, hey, I won't be here in the morning when you wake up. I'm going to be at church, and when you come here, I want you to give me a big hug and a kiss. So I'll be out there in the hall talking to someone, and if you've been talking to me when my kids get here, you know it, because you hear, Daddy! And they run up, and they give me a big hug and a big kiss. And I love that. I love hearing them say, Daddy. If my kids ever say, Reverend Brown, I'm going to be like, what? I thought you knew me better than that. I thought you loved me. 
but the way that you address someone. Like my wife, she calls me a honey bear and you know weird stuff like that. <laughs> Why? Because there's a relationship there. Don't call me that. If you call me honey bear, it won't be cute. I was like, oh. <laughs> Ooh. I, I need like an armor bearer or something <laughs> to protect me. <laughs> but the way that you address someone shows that. And so Jesus says, I want you to call me daddy. That's the heart of God. When he says that what he's doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us is creating a spirit of adoption as sons. We're children of God. And the way that we cry out to God is we say, Daddy. Have you ever heard people pray and they're like, Oh, magnificent creator. Oh, great spirit. I'm like, well, he is a magnificent creator. Absolutely. But I can tell that you don't know God very well by the way that you're addressing him. My kids don't come up and call me, oh, great creator, although technically that's true. <laughs> but that's not how you relate to me. The relationship has to be there. When we look at Jesus, this is what I love. Did you guys grow up with a picture of Jesus in your home or seen one in a church somewhere? And he's this, you know, white, blue-eyed Jesus with perfect manicure, just flowing brown locks going over his shoulders. And he's looking emaciated and stoic and untouchable and unapproachable. Like, that's the Renaissance version of Jesus. But what do you see in Jesus when you read Scripture? It says that the, the disciples are always having to like get kids and toss them away from him. They're like, all these kids are just mobbing Jesus. What kind of people do kids go to? Are kids drawn to emaciated Jesus, the stoic one that's unapproachable? The people that kids like are the ones that are getting down with them and they're wrestling them. They have candy in their robes. They're pulling their cheeks, hiding things behind their ears. You know, kids don't love people that don't love them. Have you noticed that? If you're mean to a kid or unapproachable, that kid doesn't come back around. But if you get down on their level, that kid will never get off your back. What's the way that you view God? Do you see him as Abba, as Daddy? Because if you don't, you're living as a slave. If you just view him as a master but not your father, then you're not living as a son and God has more for you. Another thing is a slave is an employee. The son is an heir. I had this uh, interesting relationship growing up because my dad ran a campground. And so, uh, you know, I'd watch, he had all these employees that would be working for him. And then there would be the family that was working for him as well. And the way that we worked was different. The employees, what they did was they came in and they punched in on the clock. And when their shift was over, they punched out. For the family, there was no punching in and punching out. You just got to work. Because this was the family business. Have you ever been at a restaurant and you can tell the difference between the owner or the family versus the people who are just working there? The family, they're the ones that see a piece of paper on the floor and they bend over and pick it up. The family sees someone new that comes in and they go and they welcome them. They're trying to check in on people, make sure everything's going well. They're the ones that are just pouring themselves out and what's going on. The employees, though, it's a relationship wherein you only work as hard as you are required to by your employer. And it's a relationship where if you stop receiving benefits, then you're out. 
If you stopped getting paid at your job, would you continue to show up and work? Because you're an employee. But if you were working for your dad somewhere, would you even expect a paycheck? Would you go above and beyond what it is that's been required of you? Yeah, because you're working for your dad. And this is the way it plays out for us. It's in Romans chapter 8, it says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we also share his glory, we also must share his suffering. See, what it's saying is that as heirs, we share in the glory of God, and we share in the suffering of God. It means that as heirs, we're a part of the family business. And what's the business of God? Making disciples making sons, making daughters, working redemption and restoration, reconciliation in the lives of all of humanity, going into the places where the enemy has stolen, where the enemy has killed, and bringing life into those places. He's driving out darkness through his glorious light. He's marching through the place, bringing victory everywhere he goes. That's the business of the Father, and that's the business that we are a part of because we are sons and because we're in daughters. We don't just work for this. I love that. Like, how, I, this view of church sometimes it always is interesting to me it's like people are like you know oh i gotta go serve in children's ministry oh i gotta set up signs and tear them down or whatever it's like i can't do that i need to be paid to do this and i'm like what are you talking about this is this is the family business this is what we do why do we go to the lost the poor and the broken because it's the family business we get to share in the glory of god and we also share in the suffering of the father as well but you know what i've discovered the suffering isn't that bad when you have the proper understanding of it. If, I mean, I was working for my dad in the summertime. Child labor laws were not approved, but I wasn't really an employee, so it didn't matter. I'd be putting 60, 70 hours in a week. That's what I did. And I didn't expect a paycheck or demand one because it was the family business. I had a vested interest in what was going on. And it wasn't a burden to me because I was passionate about what I was doing. That's why I'm so passionate about the church, too. And in the Belong class that we have today, one of the things we'll do is just talk about the vision and the values of the church, what it is that we're all about, and, and showing people, like, guys, this is the family business that we're a part of, and we want you to join in with this. We want you to be a part of what God's doing. We want to see God use your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your personality type, your experiences, all of these things, so that we can make more disciples. We can help you find your purpose, your place in life. And as you do that, you get to share in the glory of God, your Father, as you join Him in His work. And something will happen in you, something will be ignited in you. And I love it. You can tell when people understand it because they see someone new that comes into Radiant Church and they're just like, oh, there's someone new here. I want to go greet them. I want to make sure they feel welcome. Or they see, uh, you know, something on the floor. Oh, let's pick that up because this is my church. I'm a part of the family. I'm a part of the business here. I'm going to do whatever it takes to help as many people find Jesus as possible. And I'm going to go into my workplace. I'm going to go into my family, into my social circles. And I'm going to use everything I have and leverage everything God's put into me and everything that God's given me according to my glorious inheritance and the riches of Christ so that I can make more and more disciples of Jesus. And it doesn't seem burdensome because what you're doing is the business of your father. And then here's this. The slave is driven by duty, but the son is driven by devotion. You see, slaves don't get to set their own agenda. They just have to do whatever it is that their master told them to do. And they're never passionate about the things that they're doing. 
But when you have devotion inside of you, you're excited about what you do. See, my, last year my parents had their 40th anniversary, and so my sisters and I, we got together, and we said, let's, you know, they've been pretty good parents, so let's, let's do something to bless them. They kept us alive. They taught us to love Jesus. So my dad's going to be listening. I'm in trouble. Uh, so let's do something nice for them. And it's like, let's pool together, and let's send them on a trip to Bar Harbor, Maine, and you know, we're going to pay for their flights and the rental car and you know, their hotel and all that stuff. We just want to bless them because we're devoted to them. Now, you know who wouldn't do that for my parents? Someone that doesn't love them. Be like, you want me to do what? If I just said, hey, good news, my parents have been married 40 years, let's get together and I'm going to have you pay for them to go out to a trip to Bar Harbor, Maine. You're going to be like, why on earth would I do that? If I made you do that, you'd be like, that guy's such a jerk. I, I don't get to go to Bar Harbor. I can't afford this. I don't have the time for this. Do you guys ever do that? Like, whether I have to read my Bible for, gosh, three chapters today. Oh, I got to pray for 30 minutes. I'm 10 minutes in and I'm already repeating material. Oh gosh, why do I have to do this? You know, that's the slave mentality. But when you're a son, you're a daughter, I was so excited to be able to bless my parents in that way. And when you're a son, when you're a daughter, you're excited when you get to pray and read your Bible and serve and do all of these things because you're blessing the one that you love so much. How have you been viewing it? Has it been a duty for you to follow Jesus? and to sacrifice in following him? Or has it been something that you're doing out of devotion and love? Because this life that God's called us to, though we enter into it through grace, and it all happens through relationship, there's still a holy call that's on us. We're not called to live the way that we used to live. God said, I want you to be holy even as I am holy. When we look at Jesus, we see the model of what we're called to live out. And if you aren't passionate about Jesus, then it's going to be a duty to you that you will never be able to embrace. But when you view God as your Father, then you will willingly make that sacrifice. You will willingly enter into the discipline of following Jesus. You will willingly enter into leaving that old life behind because you want to please your daddy. Philippians 2 says this, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, we're supposed to work hard. A part of the Christian life is it is hard to say no to the things that we used to do. It's hard to say no and to crucify ourselves daily and to leave that old life behind us. But the way that we do it is all entirely through relationship with him. If we're just trying to follow a law to make ourselves right with God, we'll never be able to do it. But when you enter into relationship as a son, as an heir, as a part of God's own family, then it says that he's going to give you the will to live a life that's pleasing to him. And it says that he's going to give you the power to live a life that's pleasing to him. You can't even do it any other way. Uh, there's a verse where it talks about Jesus is addressing the Pharisees who they've been trying to live a life that's pleasing to God and they just can't do it no matter how hard it is that they try. And Jesus says, guys, you've been searching the scripture but you've completely missed me. You were looking for all the rules that you have to follow so much that you didn't even see the one that all of this pointed to in me. See, we can't follow the life God's called us to until we first come to the person of Jesus. 
And when Jesus begins to move in us, and when Jesus begins to work inside of us, he changes our heart, and it becomes our desire, it becomes the will, it becomes the joy of our life to follow him. Through all the suffering, through all the sacrifice that that might entail, and when you come to those moments of discipline and saying no to temptation, and saying this is what the Bible says, and I need my life to match up to this, even though I don't see how that can happen, even if I don't agree with it, even if it seems incredibly hard, well, it says that he's going to give you the power to be able to live that out inside of your life when you first come to Jesus through faith. Let a love develop inside of your heart for him so that you can cry out, Abba, Father, and you relate to him as a son. And isn't that good to be a son? Galatians 4, 8-9 goes on to say this, Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that did not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world. And what Paul is saying, guys, because of what God has done in us, because of the life that he's made available to us, because of the relationship that now we're called to enter into with him, don't ever go back to anything else. Don't ever go back to trying to live a life pleasing God without the relationship with him. Don't ever go back to trying to live as a slave instead of living as a son because you were called to be a child. And when you give God your heart, he begins to change it and you receive the power to live out the life that he's called you to. So then how is it that we live in relationship with God? Number one, see God as a father. How you determine, how you see him will determine how it is that you relate to him. And Jesus himself says this in Matthew chapter 7. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? What he's saying is that God is our Father. He's a good Father. His heart is for you. His heart is to provide for you. His heart is to protect you, to lead you into righteousness, to lead you into blessing. And when you begin to see God like that, it stirs up love inside of your heart that makes you want to follow him. Like it talked about, that will and that desire stirs up inside of our hearts. When I think about my dad and the way that he's blessed me, the sacrifices that he's made for me, I can't think about him without love starting to rise up inside of me. Every time I think about my father, my love for him grows, and I want to be devoted to him, and I want to please him. But the problem is for some people is you don't have that kind of a father in your life. And I meet a lot of people, and they're not able to understand God as a good father because they had a bad earthly father. And the way now that they view God as distant or as abusive or not wanting to lead them into good things, they're not able to see that because the model that was set for them is so messed up. And that's part of why it's so important for you parents. The number one ministry that you have, if you have children, is to your spouse and to your children. Because no one will be able to shape the way that your children view God more than you. And when you as a parent, a mother, or a father don't reflect the love of God to your children, then they're going to start to have a warped view of who God is. And there is nothing worse that we can do to our kids than to distort the true view of God for them. So if you're a parent, pray for God to strengthen you and to give you wisdom, enable you to model that love for your father. But if you haven't received that love or if you don't know who your father is and what he's really like, then you'll never be able to do that. And some of you, you need healing inside of your hearts. Because you've been carrying around a wound inside of you 
that keeps you from having a true view of who God is to see that he is a good father and that he delights in giving you good gifts and that he doesn't have plans to harm you, but he has plans to prosper you. You need to view God as a good father. Number two, approach God through relationship, not rules. Now, every house has house rules, right? There are things that you couldn't do growing up because if you did this, it went against what mom and dad had decreed and there would be consequences for that. And that's true with the relationship with God. We've entered into the family. There are family rules that we have because God says, this is the way that I've called us to be as a people. And when you step outside of that, you're not going to be walking in my favor and there will be consequences for that. But if all you had in your house was just the house rules and you were just trying to follow all of them and that was the extent of it, there's no love. You know what? I, I mean, if my kids perfectly followed all of the brown house rules, that would be a miracle, number one. <laughs> but if there was no love, I wouldn't care. You know what I want more than for Ethan and Brielle to follow all of the rules? is for them to love me. The greatest moments for me aren't when they, you know, when she uses the potty, although as awesome as that is, or when he brushes his teeth before bed or shares without having to ask. Those are great things, and that's what I'm trying to lead them into. But even more than when they actually do those things is when they just come and they just sit on my lap. Oh, oh my goodness, that's the best. When they come to me because they love me. And if they never know how much I love them, then eventually they will go to rebellion. They will turn away from the house rules as a way to rebel against me. But when you first and foremost relate to God as a father, before anything else, because you know what? There weren't any rules that you had to follow or that you had to keep before you became a follower of Jesus. He just said, right where you are, as sinful, as broken, as fallen, and messed up as you are, I'm inviting you into my family. Because of love. Because of relationship. And as we grow in our relationship, in our love for God, that will, that desire stirs up inside of us to live a life that's pleasing to him, to follow the house rules. And we're given the power to be able to do that. But if you've just been relating to God, trying to keep the rules without having a relationship for him, you're really robbing him of the thing that he wants more than anything else, your heart. And you're also depriving yourself of the power to change your heart. And then uh, number three, give God my whole heart. You know, every year, you know, a couple times a year, I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat right, I'm going to diet. But you know what I've discovered? You can't diet if you're not 100% committed to it. You can't diet on Monday and then splurge on Tuesday and expect a different relationship with your body and with your image. I can't be 50% devoted to my diet and workout plan and get the results that I want. It's that with my marriage. I can't be 95% devoted to my wife. Your marriage won't work that way. You have to be 100% devoted to God. It says that he wants your whole heart. He wants you to go all in on this. Jeremiah 29 says this, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Jesus is saying, or God is saying through this, you can't be 99% committed to me. 
says, when you search for me with your whole heart, you will find me. A lot of us have been searching for God 99%. And we become disappointed, we become disillusioned. We think, God, I tried uh, and I didn't find you. This didn't work for me. I didn't have the relationship with you like people talk about. But it's because you didn't go in 100%. It has to be, I'm in this. There's no turning back for me, Jesus. I fully submit to you, to your will for my life. I'm coming after you. I'm going to draw near to you, and you're going to draw near to me. But we have to be 100% in, or else you will never experience that. You will never know the love of the Father you will never have that devotion built inside of your heart if you're still trying to keep part of yourself invested in the world and part of yourself invested in the family of God. 99% in is really 100% out. God wants your whole heart. And when you do that, think about this, the way you view your kids do you have a, a list of things like, I have to do this for my kids? Oh gosh, I have to feed them, I have to clothe them, I have to do these things. Or do you look at your kids like, I get to do this, I'm going to do everything that I can for my children. And that's the way it is with God with us. He wants to do everything he can for us. And relationship changes everything. If you're here today, and you've been trying to follow some sort of a moral code to feel close to God, and you haven't. If you're here today, and you've been following God partly, but your heart hasn't been 100% in, if you've been living, viewing yourself as a slave, if you've been viewing God as a master and haven't been viewing him as a father, then this morning I believe that God is calling out to you. And I believe this morning he's revealing himself to you and the relationship that he wants to have with you. Maybe you've been trying to follow God, but you haven't even had the will and the desire to live a life that's pleasing to him. You just know that you should in your mind. Then what you have is a relationship problem. Because that will, that desire, and that power only comes through relationship with him. The relationship changes everything. You guys, close your eyes with me this morning as we end. Father, thank you that we call you Father. And this morning, would you speak to our hearts? Have we been living as a slave? Or have we been living as a son? And this morning, if you know that you've been living as a slave and you haven't encountered that relationship with God, maybe you haven't been 100% in seeking after him, then this morning, he's calling to you. He's revealing his goodness to you. And he's drawing you to himself. And this morning, if you want to make that decision of, Jesus, I want to come after you. I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter. I want to receive all that you have for me. I want the spirit of adoption inside of me. I want to be able to cry out, Daddy. I want to be able to have the will, the desire, and the power to live a life that's pleasing to you. I want a relationship in my life that changes everything. Let your eyes close. You just slip up your hands away. Say before God, God, that's me. That's what I want. Would you do that inside of my heart? Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this together this morning. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that we can call you Father. Thank you that we can call you Father. And today I come and I submit myself to you. 
Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with new life. And God, as I draw near to you, would you draw near to me? God, I want to know you fully. I want to be able to call you daddy. I want that spirit of adoption inside of me. And fill me with the Holy Spirit. And speak to me. Lead me. Wherever you go, I will follow. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer this morning, you are a new creation. God is here to meet you where you're at, and that's something that's worth celebrating today. Let's continue to worship God together this morning.